what we invest in, we invest in a personal narrative, we invest in a personal biography, and we confuse that with identity. Welcome to Insert Human. This is a show that is not for everyone. It's for seekers, people like you, hopefully, who are searching for solutions to your problems, the world's problems, and everything in between. The conversations to come are going to show you how finding the truth of our humanity is the magic key to solving pretty much anything. Between my monologues, my dialogues with brilliant guests, and your good questions, you're going to learn how to insert human into everything, and in doing so, realize a better life and one day a better world. So welcome to Insert Human, and welcome Charlotte Jones to the show. I am truly honored, thrilled. Uh, actually, I have a little goosebump right now. That's pretty, uh, <laughs> that says a lot about you, dear. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So Sharla, for those that don't know, is a, uh, I think of her as sort of the archetypal entrepreneur. She, I think you started out in the brand and marketing space. And when did you found you to be? What, what, what year was that? Oh, well, you know, I'm terrible with years, but it was sometime around um, maybe 2015 or so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's when we formally launched is like 2015. So, so you to be, you know, my interpretation of you to be is it's a all natural, all organic, healthy skincare line of products. My wife, Kate and I are customers, happy customers. And it's, yeah, it's an amazing story. And, and I want to get to that story eventually, but I, I'd, I'd like to ask the question, which I've asked a lot of the, the folks that have been on the show thus far, which is, what has COVID revealed to you? So, you know, we've been through this cataclysmic five-month, almost coming on six-month period. And and as a participant in that cataclysmic period, what is what is this this pandemic revealed to you about about you, about people, about about the world? You know, good, bad, indifferent. I'm just it's clearly changed things. <laughs> we know, including being on Zoom 18 hours a day. But what's your what's your take? Like pro, con, plus, minus, like what's your take? Well, I don't know that this is a pro con situation. I think that COVID has revealed something. Let's 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 just talk about ourselves as American because I think that we are having a unique experience to this pandemic than other countries have different they have different guideposts about it. You know, I my observation and my, my own experience is that we had to go inside our interior life without the busyness and the distractions of our exterior life. And we, we had to actually deal with the psychic turbulence of where we live and how we live and, and what it means to live in a body. And like a couple things about that, which is in the beginning, what I noticed, which was interesting, is that, you know, we we live such frantic and fast-paced, frenzied lives. And the problem with that is that it's a that's addictive. You know, that really taps into something that we all have buying into about how we need to live. And we saw that this was, and to me, this was manifest in the very beginning of the shutdown when people were, liter- people were freaked out about 
oh my God, I'm not going to, my, my usual schedule and my usual distractions, not having access to those things and people and habits. And then thing two is like, this is all happening while death is like right there. <laughs> you know, um, death was all around, it still is coming fast and quick and unrelenting. And there's no real, yeah, and non-discriminating largely. I mean, we, there's no leadership or there's no wisdom and there, you know, there no, there was no guide, no way to, no way forward. Like, how do we, and and it's a question of, it wasn't just like, how do, what are the things that we need to do to protect ourselves from COVID? And that's shaky ground for us right now. We do have some guidance. But the bigger thing was there really weren't the kinds of things that ground us, that help us deal with these questions that I think got revealed. So it really brought us into a stark awareness about some unrelenting truths that, you know, that are hidden in plain sight, you know, for for us. And these are truths about our history, the truths about our stories, our insecurities, our vulnerabilities, and that truth of the fact, which is that we really are all in this together. And so I, I think this is a profound experience. And it's also an experience that reminds us that, uh, you know, I know you have, you know, we are so attached to our narratives and we're so attached to our perspectives about how life works. And if, you know, I do this and then I do this, then this will happen. And it's like the universe stepped in and said, um, yeah, that's all good. But guess what? You're not driving the bus. <laughs> You're not the only thing that actually sets life, like life has its own story and it has its own narrative. And we are just, we are part of it. We're inside the story. And so I think that that was just an unnerving kind of experience that happened. And, you know, when circumstances such as death and sickness you know, are looming around every corner on every surface, any, the next trip outside your house, you know, it gives you a kind of clarity and focus that just doesn't, wasn't happening and doesn't usually happen in our day to day. And, you know, we just don't, and I think that there's some really important insights that have happened here, you know, and then not to mention, I mean, there we are, we are, at focused attention. And then we have the George Floyd visual, the experience of that happening, unfolding right before us, which challenges, which gives us a visual narrative about race in this country and, and, you know, which resonated around the world. And, you know, it was, it was irrefutable. It was undeniable. And it fundamentally challenged some strongly rooted foundational beliefs and thoughts and perceptions about who we are, what we value, what's really going on. It's just, it was profound. And I I think it's profound and it's necessary. I think it's, this has been when we, when we turn the corner on this, I think we're going to look back and see this experience as being one of necessity because, you know, None of us can afford the kind of 
ignorance that we, you know, and, 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 you know, disinterest of, of the hard work that we have to do as human beings, getting, talking about human. I love, love the name of, the, of your podcast because, you know, this is the thing that happened in, in my view about COVID, which is when you have a human being experience, which we were having a human doing experience. Like we're all about productivity and how we measure transactions, it. You know. baby transactions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, wait, you know. And we 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 just abandon we we abandon certain sources of knowledge and information. We don't carry them forward in a way that that has true significance for us. You know, we we were caught with something that we're so good at doing, which is we invest, we invest in the persona, like the Greeks understood this, right? Like the persona, we, we build this up and we invest in it and we, we, we pay homage to them. It's the biggest thing that you, you can, you know, we don't see behind that, you know, you're not your persona. There's something, there's something else there's there's a there's a human being in there so yeah it's it's quite we're having quite an experience yeah i i uh there's a couple of quick comments to that you know one is i i get interviewed for stuff as well and you know people ask me sort of the same question and and my answer has always been similar to yours like it actually hasn't exposed anything we didn't already know it just made it more real and one of my theories is we don't actually learn things until we feel things and I, my theory is COVID has caused some percentage of us to, to feel more because we don't have the distraction of all the transactions. And in feeling more, we see things that we've always seen more clearly. We feel them and in feeling them, we care about them. You know, the fact of the matter is, and you and I have talked about this, there have been many, many other George Floyds. This isn't, he, right? Like, and, and so what was so what has been so wonderful and interesting to me is is the reaction is 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 maybe finally the level of reaction that should have been you know 200 years ago or 100 you know it, 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 it it's just now with that said you know the, the the other thing that you and i've talked about and, and for the audience charlotte and i are both honored i guess to be on the now and there board which which is run by my wife kate gilbert and amazing public art organization and about a month ago or so, maybe it was longer, we, there was a board conversation about how to respond to the Black Lives Matter movement, to a decree that had been issued by a couple of people. And it ended up being this very, very, I'm going to call it intimate conversation led by Sharla. And, and it was fundamentally about how should, I'll say it, white people respond to, you know, do a better job of, of addressing racial inequality. And, and I guess that's, you know, the, 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 so the question that goes with it is why, why have we consistently failed at, at, at making, my view, making a dent in it? I think, I think the, the progress we have made is, is veneer at, at best. And, and so, you know, I guess I want you to sort of recount a little bit of what you share with the board that day and this this idea of, of what I call owning it like we've never actually owned it so just just talk to me about why you think we failed and or more importantly what can white society do not just us but what can we what can we do to begin to put more than a dent in what is a exceedingly un, unfair terrible you know divide 
you know, I wish I, I don't remember, I, I do remember that board meeting and I remember, but I don't remember exactly what I said. I just remember that we were trying to make sense of, you know, the idea of responding to the moment. And I think the power is in this idea of nowness. And in the and it's also and I'll get to the whole thing about white, but I before we can get to anything about whiteness, you have to get I think we have to really sort of tackle the fact that what we invest in, we invest in a personal narrative, we invest in a personal biography, and we confuse that with identity as human beings. And we believe our thoughts and we're faithful to these thoughts about who we are, where we came from, how we got there. These are very deep-rooted things that don't get unearthed very easily. And even in the face of, of realities that challenge those storylines, we're in America. And Americans are very attached to status, money, power, leverage. Like, these are the guideposts that we fundamentally rely upon. What, like, outside of COVID, in the COVID experience, like, what is everyone watching? The stock market, as if that is an indicator of, of economic health, you know? Like, we are lost, okay? We're, we're truly lost. And I think you, it's like, we, we the first step, <laughs> it's like any, I guess you're like a 12-step program. It's like acknowledge, you know, you have to like, wait a minute, what is it? We have to name it. We have to name this thing that we're all, we're caught up in it in a, in a particular way. And it's very hard, I think, when you don't grow up with the place owning you in the same way that you get owned by this place when you're white. You know, whiteness is an issue and it's an identity it is and it's and it's the not something that it, mm. yeah and it's not so, but it's not it's you you know you can't the thing about it is that people who are not white we learn from the very beginning that we have to navigate otherness in our society and everything in our society is really situated to reinforce these narratives about what it means to be American, what what Americans look like, what Jesus looks like. Like, think about that. You know, because we, we have a lot of people going to church and thinking about, you know, white Jesus. You know, they know where he came from. They can understand, like, you know, and it's just like suspended reality around these things. And, you know, it, this is a big challenge. And it's, and you can't say to someone who has not, where society has not faulted you for anything about your narrative. In fact, we have monuments that reinforce your narrative. We have policies that reinforce your narrative, all of these things. I mean, and that's, I think, was the thing that really came forward with George Floyd because, you know, the guy is in his, he's in his vehicle and he is dragged out and you can't deny what you saw. You can't deny the, his experience. And I think, you know, it's like, I think a lot of people realize like, wait, 
I don't know that this is the kind of America I thought we were. <laughs> you know, I think that I think a lot of people were hit from that standpoint, which is like, wait a minute, these are not the kind of police that I've been writing my support the police checks, you know, union checks to. Like, this is not what I want from this. So I just I. I so, you know, how do we get out? We, we get out of it by really trying, I think, and it's a lot of work, you know, it's, it's a lot of work because when you're operating in a landscape where you are able to have these truths go unchallenged and have no accountability for them, like, you know, if somebody says, you know, before this time, if somebody said something like, you know, about whiteness, it's kind of like, oh my God, you know, they have such a chip on their shoulder. <laughs> They're so, you know, we, 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 we name them, you know, we named people like that as being difficult and, you know, racist and, you know, like, how can they think I'm racist? Like I, you know, it, it just, we, we have to get inside this in a different way. And it has to do with, you know, recognizing like, we are in a culture that confuses easy. We don't have the mechanisms are not necessarily part of how you grew up. It's not necessarily what you learned how to, how to take care of or deal with, you know, and it's hard to see the invisible. It's hard to see something that is not, that's just, that naturally unfolds for you on a regular basis. It's really tough to, to say, you know, and the only, and you don't, and it's just incredibly rare for most white people to have the experience of going into a public space, a doctor's office, a grocery store, any, you know, whatever, and be the only person in that room that looks like you, you know, that's an experience that these experiences are in our bodies. These experiences are rooted in our physical selves. And it's hard to I think the first thing is bringing attention to our bodies and our comforts and our discomforts, our ease and our dis-ease, where we, it's trying to catch yourself doing what you always do. It's like trying to catch yourself, just catch yourself not paying attention because so much of this is about, it is about privilege and it's about ignorance, you know, you know, and I think the other thing is go to school. There's so many great movies and books and things right now that are so top of mind from any list. Challenge yourself to just to just plow through and re reorient yourself to realities that other people are dealing with. I love that that advice and it it is consistent with what you shared at the now and there board meeting. And this is what, what what I heard, and you know what I came home with. And and I think for any anybody in the audience that is white, and anybody in the audience that works in a company, particularly or an organization of people, I think this this advice that Charlotte gave, that she's reiterated just now, is is exactly the right advice. And the gist of it, what I took away, my words, not hers or yours, is that the mechanics of dealing with racial inequality, the sort of archetypal or classic. You know, we're going to put everybody in the company through diversity training. Fail. Mechanics fail because fundamentally, this is a humanics issue. This is how we feel, how we perceive, what we think. This is about us as individuals. 
and how we relate or do not relate to people that don't look like us. And so the mechanics are not bad, you know, uh, you know they're not a they're they're not a, a waste of money, a waste of time. But to think that somehow you're going to shift the sensibility of a group of people or even an individual on the back of you know mechanics is maybe not you know not correct. And that the humanics part, which again, this is what I took away, and it's it's really been a profound, I guess, guide for me, is it's fundamentally about you, me. Yeah. What, yeah. It's and personal. It's personal. Yeah. And, and I am a racist, you know, you yeah. know, based on the, the, the white fragility book, I'm on the spectrum. I, you know, hopefully <laughs> I'm, I'm in the far end of the spectrum, but I'm still on the spectrum. And so the only way for me to move on that spectrum to the extreme end of zero, whatever, is to, is to, is to change myself from within, not exactly. just what I think, but how I feel. And the way to do that, just let me, let me sort of the last piece that you, that you, you shared with us that day and that you just said it now is you've got to expose yourself. You know, if I'm in the, I'm a white person in the white tower, <laughs> you know, I can read all the books I want, but if I am actually not with in other situations with other people that aren't like me, how can I ever possibly sort of shift my sensibility? How can I ever shift my, my, my feeling, my, my fear, my, my, my beliefs? Like, I, think I get sort of back to my point about you have to feel it to, to really learn it. What I heard from you is you've got to put yourself in positions where you are, you are with uh, the other, whoever the other might be or whatever the other might be. Yeah, I mean, it's, you've got to risk discomfort, basically. You've got to, you've got to like, look, corporations have spent billions of dollars on diversity programs for years and people go through those programs and they learn all these different things but they stay inside their own experience because these are external things they don't these are not this is not I'm doing what I need to do but this is this doesn't relate to me and the and the thing that I you know just like <laughs> the thing that is is troublesome for me is about whiteness is you know the, the idea is, you know, it's this way of interior, it is interior and exterior. And, and I want to say this because I think this is true. You know, as human beings, we have lots of needs and we have a longing to belong to a group, groups, whatever. And how we do that is a challenge because if we do it the way we're we used we we normally do it, which is by way of putting together our you know our biographies. You know, where do you live? Where did you go to school? Like these things that 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 tell they give information, but they don't really tap into the human side, the human need. You know, the kinds of things that drive real dynamic stuff, the things that help us deal with the dynamic part of the wildness of life. You know, you know, you can't look, you can you could have had you could have all of the things that we say are parts of a successful person. And you can see how easily all of that can be stripped away, taken away, and reduced to absolutely nothing. And there are people right now living in circumstances that on the outside look like 
why wouldn't I want to be there and live there? And they are living impoverished lives. And what makes a life rich? And we have to get into that. We have to do that. And so when you're sitting in a diversity class learning about, you know, that it's not, you know, the political correctness piece of, you know, interacting with with each other. I, I think the real challenge is to like just really use your 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 own. You have everyone has a right to their own experience, but you've gotta you gotta own your experience. You gotta own the fact that you want the tortillas, but you don't really want the Mexicans. You want the hummus, but you know, let's not. That's that's not you know let a lot of Muslims into the country. You want the rich culture and creativity that comes from people who don't look like you. But you know what? I don't really want the black blackness. There's blackness and then there's blackness. You want the yoga, but you know I don't want to deal with the whole Indian thing. You know how that goes. You know it's like you have to get into this way that we interpret and experience things and we do that in this duality we do we it's just it's just kind of like what we it's just how it's in our dna right right one of my favorites is i'm i'm all for affordable housing as long as it's not in my neighborhood exactly exactly <laughs> so it's like catch yourself with those things coming across like because you know, like, that's really what's going on and like really have the courage to to like what comes up well you know what comes up and it's and you know you we we learn this stuff this doesn't come out of nowhere it comes from our society and we've managed to build an entire society that operates this way profit above all you know and we 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 learn these things from the people who raised us and you know we have to look at them and think about what you know where they got these stories and how those stories help to inform them and though the idea that you know protection and we have to remake what success looks like what what these things that are important to a society we have to remake what the tools of them are and like we we compare ourselves to other countries we say like we 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 look at them and say you know oh we should all like the norwegians and the swedes and the you know bring them yeah they've got it figured out and let's bring them over like stay away from those countries with the bat with the brown and the black and brown people and it was like and then in the same in the same idea we don't look at the fact that these are countries that have completely different ways of taking care of everybody in their society. And, you know, like, and we don't want like, Oh, socialism. You know, <laughs> we have to challenge ourselves. We have to follow those bread. We have to follow those ideas to their, and, and really be open to exploring them with an open mind and getting information about them and challenging them in the same way, you know, I'm always, you know, it's easy to hold these ideas when you don't, when you don't, when you don't investigate and don't follow them into, into, so until they, until you reach the inside of you. Because when you do that, if you follow an idea, like you sit down with a racist and you allow, and you really allow them and you really go into their story about and why this is so important to them to hold these ideas about difference and otherness and whiteness and you know you know if you get down to like the fundamental identity of being a human being and it's like wait a minute you know and then that's where people you you have these transformative experiences that people have about 
you know, about themselves and like who they, and then like they want to show up in the world in a different way. You know, for me, it brings up a thing that I think a lot about, which is what is the measure of a life? Mm -hmm. You know, you sort of talk about the American way. It was the measure of a life is material wealth and, you know, trying to keep as, as many of the prizes for yourself. And, and, and I think for me, it wasn't until I started realizing that the measure of my life was actually about my, the level of intimacy that I had achieved with myself, understanding self, loving self, appreciating both the dark and the light of myself, intimacy with loved ones, intimacy with friends, intimacy with the world in a way that was caring and open and honest and, you know, trying to contribute to the health of everybody. But I guess my point is until I saw sort of success through a different lens, I wasn't really able or ready to do the work. Like I think the, you know, going inside to do the work requires a motivation that it can't be the material wealth motivation, obviously, because that's not motivating. You know, that's an external, that's an external driver of I've got to amass more crap. So introspection doesn't have a role, (laughs) you know, and and I think this also for me, I wrote a piece the other day about, about racism and, and this idea of sort of needing to go inside that you can't do it cosmetically. You can't do it. You can't even do it structurally. You have to do it humanistically And where I got to in the piece is to change ourselves, which is really what we're talking about, that you have to, you have to care mightily because if you simply care intellectually, like, you know, it's not right. I'm, I, I'm not convinced that a lot of people that that's sufficient motivation for a lot of people to actually do what you said. And I agree with is brutal is really hard work. Like even for me, like I, I think I'm on, I think I'm, I'm on board. Like that book, White Fragility kind of freaked me out. Like, oh my God, this, this is actually me, but I have to work every day. I'm not, this is not a woe is me. I'm just saying I have to work every fucking day to remind myself of, of the privilege that I have, the supremacy that I feel and the work that I, I am trying to do. I, I have to keep. I have to keep top top of mind because it would be so easy. And I think this is one of my fears about the George Floyd Black Lives Matter thing. My fear is that two years from now, it's 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 become Rodney King. You know, the 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 momentum and 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 clarity that we seemingly have found, or more of us have found. My fear is absent personal motivation, deep seated motivation. That that X period from now, it's another, it's another anecdote. Yeah, I mean, I I, I hear what you're saying, but I I, I I when I when I hear this, I I go because you know here's the thing. Let's we you, you said something you know like you want more stuff, so it's like okay, let's well, follow that just... desire. You know what I mean? No, right. no, no. I'm not saying you, but I'm saying like right. there's there it is in our culture. That oh, yeah. more more is better and more is more, you know. And we first have to face the fact that as Americans, the real truth is of the matter. From my point of view, is that we don't have a culture. We corporate corporate 
and commerce is our culture. And everything else is suppressed and everything else is secondary to that. Now we, and in order to get to our culture, we have to go through the dark woods of like where the land came from, where the wealth came from, and these <laughs> stories that are really troublesome and challenge, you know, these, these rooted narratives about pride of America and all of that stuff. And I think it's worth the journey, by the way, to take the trip, which is why I say, you know, there's some brilliant scholars writing about history and experiences, the 1619 Project. I mean, they're just, we're, we are, there are some amazing work happening here. And it's amazing, you know, when you just, if you've traveled across the country, if you've been in the middle and, and on the ends or in the north and the south, and I have, and I've, you know, I've spent a lot of time outside of the country. There's a lot of good here. There really, truly is with all of the things, with all of the problems and issues that we have, there is a lot of good here. And what you can see, even through the, the lens of these very troubled experiences that unfold in our cities and in our hillsides every day, is that we, all of us are engaged in this very primitive struggle to be human and to what it means to be a good human being. I don't think people get out of bed and say, let's see, how can I be a totally fucked up person today? I just don't, I don't believe that happened. We, we all have to deal with this very deep yearning to be seen. I think one of the most powerful things and why I was saying is to keep looking, you know, this idea of looking is very powerful. The idea that when you're in your diversity training class, it's not about looking outside and seeing what somebody else is doing or how do you look at, you know, Bob the black guy. It's how do you look at you? How do you look? How do you turn that lens to you and bear witness? I think the most powerful experience that we give one another is to bear witness to what unfolds, you know, to allow this human experience that we all have to struggle with because it is a level playing field. It does not hum The universe is not scanning, you know, okay, the white one, the black one, the green one, the purple. It's not happening that way. You know, it is, it's, it's, we're all in this experience of being a human to in, in one way. We, we have a hunger for for belonging. We, we want to live an authentic existence. Nobody on their deathbed is saying, I wish I would have gotten that PowerPoint done earlier. You know, there are things that roll up in those moments where you are face to face with your own life and your own truth. And in other societies, these things, there are these there are these mechanisms and ways to live that allow us to have a more intimacy with that. You know, in I, I used to love in my Paris life, you know, nobody, you know, you, you, this idea of jumping out of bed at five in the morning and pounding away and working all day and into the night, you know, they're the, they just slip in these, you know, cocktail hour, <laughs> slip in the coffee break. There are these things, there are these ways, there's a rhythm of life, different rhythm of life where, where culture is driving that. And we, this is something that's, that's sorely lacking in our, in our way of life. And we have to, we, we have to be revolutionaries and we have to insert it. And this is, we have an opportune moment right now 
where we are all have little more and you know in one way we have more control i mean we're all we're all in our in our spaces we're not out there's no pull to be out in going to you know going doing different things what do, how do we how do we reset how do we press reset how do you how do you remake yourself into your better more human self you know how do you touch that piece that is there you know when someone says something like the fact that we're you know i thought i i love you know of course our former first lady when you know when she said you know i have dealing with a low grade dep- dep- depression she tapped into something like you know what like <laughs> people are like you know what that's exactly right i, I am too it, it, like we we're, we're dealing with a lot and we're dealing with some realities about ourselves and our culture and our communities that it's like you don't have to do everything you have to do one thing and it starts with you i think it starts with you it's this one thing you can do it's this one thing you can see it's this one thing you can name about how you operate and what you really do you know and and if and it's like just just take that and see where you can go with it i think because it's a, it's this is it this is big stuff that we're being challenged with yeah and i i i think i love that and i said to somebody earlier today i said you know my new motto is one person at a time that the way we fix this there's not some magic bullet of policy like a single policy that 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 addresses inequality or even addresses i i totally agree with your point that we america doesn't actually have a culture the way other countries have cultures probably because we're so young but regardless you you can't fix it with a flick of a switch you can't fix any of this stuff and that it takes and it takes it's going to take a long time and so the way for this to happen is as you've been saying inside out like it's got one person at a time well i mean chris we have built an entire society an economy that is absolutely absent of certain truths about who we are, how we operate, how we treat people, how we got here, and what we value. And there's nothing, there's no accountability for it. None. That's just fundamentally true. Like, you know, about the economy, small and large scale. And you don't, not ask, like, we're all in this together, so we all get to take a piece of that on. What piece resonate? If it doesn't, why doesn't it? You know, like really go, go win. The answer sometimes, and I'm such a believer in this because I don't know, you know, in my life, I, I being a daughter of Southerners, you know, my dad is from Selma, Alabama. My family is from, you know, my, uh, I, and I was raised by these people <laughs> and, you know, Southerners are, are, they're, 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 you know, I, I can say this because I love many of them and they're my family. But the idea of, I, got, I learned very early on when you coming out of this experience of being black in the South and, you know, from my family, you know, just the, 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 the looming uncertainty of how a day could unfold. I mean, this is what we saw with George Floyd. You know, he had every intention and then so many others that we could name, you know, so, you know, the, you get out, you get in your car, you go for a jog, you know, you're, you're, you're going for a drive, restarting your life, Sandra Bland, you know, and, all, and, and something happens that completely 
changes the trajectory of everything. This kind of vulnerability is particular to people who are different, but it's something that happens to everyone. And we're all living with that and some on some scale. If you can just get in touch with that and know that and, and believe what you see and just stay with the fact that it, you don't really want that experience happening for yourself or your own children or your brother, you know, what can you do to, you know, like, how do you, what changes need to be made so you can stay present with that kind of pain that unfolds? Somebody, you know, having that kind of thing. But what I was going to say is, you know, so this idea, and this is something that COVID has made us starkly aware of, is we have no control over the length of our life. We do not know how long we will be here. But we have absolute control, if that's the right word, over how deeply we live our life. You know, how far in are you willing to go? Because that's where the real good juicy stuff is. That's where you really make, I think, fundamental changes and shift your, and, and recalibrate your experience. And see, when you are in communities of otherness, you understand this in a, in a way because when you've not been invited, literally not been invited to the the table you couldn't get on the bus you had to sit in your place you know you were segregated outside of you know the mainstream you know what's so amazing about not just my family but this story of otherness the story of it is the story of slavery in america is how incredible the spirit, the human spirit is, how forceful, how strong it is, that even in the face of all of that, there was immense creativity and celebration and joy. And there, there were just there, like the humanness, the, like, the, you know, like at the same time that these people were saying, you know, like these are not human, real, they're not humans like we are, <laughs> but they, you know, there's just like, look at the evidence and, and the experiences that came out of, you know, this history and this moment and what people contributed. And it's just, you know, so that's why I say it's, they, they showed us about going deep because they didn't have control over the circumstances of their life. They had to go deep. They, they found mechanisms. They found and reached into their own histories and culture and stories to, to assuage the, just the terror of being in those circumstances, you know, and they survived. They survived. I am a product of that. And nothing makes me more, you know, proud to understand that, you know, what I am made of and what so many others like me are made of, you know, it comes out of something that is incredibly, just, just incredibly rich and strong and, and undeniable. And, you know, even when I heard, when I listened to, you know, the services for George Floyd and his brothers got up and they, the family got up and they talked about the poverty that they, like, this is America. See, you can't have the American experience and who we are without owning that part too. I mean, that's like, this is what I mean about, we have to restructure like 
how things work on a fundamental way, in a fundamental way. Because, you know, you listen to him tell the story about they, they, they understood they had to get to school. They wanted to show up in a way and present themselves to the outside world in a clean way as best as they could. And the creativity that they engaged to do that. These are children. By the way, these are children. These are not adults. They didn't have a washing machine. They didn't have, like, this is, you know, like, this is, this, these are things that I think corporations should take a second look to think about how they, how you really think about your, you know, innovation, you know, it, how do you think about where innovation comes from and creativity and corporations that have done that, you know, where they've engaged Multi, having a multidisciplinary, multicultural, like far and above, way far and above, you know, the tried and true, you know, sort of plodding along. Yeah, well, yeah. When I was at Harvard, I mean, that, my one big takeaway coming out of startup startup incubator land at Harvard for four years was, it's all about if you want to increase the chances of innovation success but people from very different backgrounds, you know, diversity to the max is the best way to accomplish that. And I'm mindful of the time. We've got a few more minutes left and I want to, a couple of thing requests. One is for the listeners. So Charlotte, based on everything we talked about today, you know, over the last couple of months, one of the things I get from the listeners out there is, you know, Chris, can you be, can you, can you and or your guests be, be a little bit more prescriptive in terms of you know what can what can we do, whatever that whatever it is we're we're trying to be better at. And so, do you have do you have thoughts about what we can do, particularly the white part of the world and its effort to to let go of its fragility and 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 move away from its desperate need for supremacy, like as are there suggestions you might you might offer up? And if not, that's totally cool. Yeah. Well, I love the idea that this audience is one that understands or is interested in prescript, the prescriptive nature of life. Because now is truly a time for active values, active consciousness, active humanity. And it's so clear from everything that's happened from two weeks ago, three months ago, we have to rewrite certain social rules here to better define, to better fit with the kind of relationships we want to have with each other, the kinds of conditions we want to live in as a society, and more to the point of your podcast, the kind of human being, you know, we mm -hmm. want to be. Mm -hmm. So I really believe that that each of us has to make a personal decision about, about who we are. And it's not just the narrative of where we came from. It's not, it's, not, it's not this biography stuff. It's really about who do we want to be in the world? What kind of human being do you want to be? Who do you desire to be as a human being? And, and then more to the point, which is what contribution are you willing to make? What are you not willing to or wanting to make to the human race. Because, you know, we all know, I mean, being silent right. isn't neutral. No. It's active too. Silence no. is quite active. There's this great, uh, a great quote, oh, it doesn't matter the source, but I, it was actually around the Me Too movement, but it was 
silence is complicity. And I thought that's exactly right. It's absolutely true. And we can, and we know this. And the truth of the matter is that we can't do everything. There's no one person that can do everything. And we certainly can't undo these hundreds of years of racism that, that we've all experienced. You know, we're all experiencing racism, period. Everybody is. And it's like, let's take a lesson from COVID because COVID is another kind of example like that. And if, if COVID has taught us anything, it's reinforced this fact that if you are a human being, we truly are tethered together and we're all in this together. And, and therefore, you know, like people feel like getting caught up in your feelings, you know, I feel guilty, I feel bad, I have great regret and sadness. These are not strategies for moving forward. No. You know, these are not these are not the ways, these are not the path to making meaningful contributions to the human race. So, you know, and I and I say this, you know, I, I accept that, you know, there's a lot of vibrancy in language and there's a lot that we learn through language. But it is action. Action is where you learn truth action mm-hmm. is where truth shows up so it's these that. small it's these small things you know like we have to make these small decisions every day all the time you have to make a small a decision to catch yourself in small actions and catch yourself noticing where you're out of where you're out of alignment with who you think you are. Mm-hmm. Catch yourself, catch your language, catch your ideas, catch yourself seeing things between a, in a prism that is not the one that aligns with the human being that you tell people you are. You know? And so, and it's like asking yourself all the time, what action can I take in this moment to move my humanity forward, to move humanity forward. What can I do to move in a way to move me beyond we versus me? How can I move beyond us versus them? Because whenever you're seeing that duality, and this is quite natural, we're, we're always confronted by dualities. But it's a duality that is a construct that we all have to work together and do our own little parts. It's not like, don't, don't count on somebody else getting right with this, you know? You know, like, don't, it's not important that we, we know that, you know, our president is a racist. Like, that's, you know, we know that. What action can you take right now in your own, in your own world? in your own self, in your own thoughts, to move yourself to a place where labor is not the enemy. Because that's, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's labor. You know, we, we have to each of us do the labor. Maybe that labor is learning and reading, but it's always the labor of seeking and looking and observing and taking risks to find yourself where you are, naming that place, and really doing the work to move yourself into the place where you want to be. 
these are we, we all have to move in the direction of having these kind i i think of it as as healing you know healing at a very deep personal level like that's what it takes because guess what good intentions they don't it doesn't change things labor is what creates change it's what you're doing it's what you're doing when no one is looking you know it's these small tweaks you know that make the difference and the difference is not we and me and us and them. It's, it's the you, the you that you say you are, the narrative you run in your head versus the actions and how it is that you actually show up in the world. What is in your actual environment? If everybody in your environment looks like you, you, you got to know, like, <laughs> there's some work to be done. There's some work to be done. It's remarkable what you just shared. It's very similar to what I shared yesterday. I, I was asked to give a talk at a Copenhagen conference on sustainability, which is mm-hmm. kind of hilarious because you know I'm not an <laughs> environmental scientist or a futurist or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the, the the head of the conference knows me well and has seen me speak on other things, and you know he knew that I would tell the truth. And so the truth that I told is that sustainability is fundamentally a behavioral issue. You know, we can we can say it's a policy issue mm-hmm. or a law issue or a corporate, a corporate issue, government issue. But at the end of the day, if we, if we really genuinely care about it, then we have to look at ourselves. We have to look in the mirror. That was my last slide, look in the mirror and say to ourselves, what, what behaviors can I change? What, to your words, what little actions can I take? Yeah. To participate in in and contribute, another word you use, contribute, I love that, to to making this whole a better whole for everybody. Yeah, because we, you know, our, our society trains us in such a way that we we forget that everything is contributing. Everything <laughs> it's all going into the pot. Right. We have to be more active about our contribution and about wait, you know, what is that something, is this what I really want to contribute? Is this really what I want to contribute to my children? This is what I want to contribute to my family, to my community, to my neighbors. We are truly all in this in a way that we don't get to not do something. You know, we don't, no one gets to not do something because you're, you're already actively contributing. It's like, how do you put your shoulder into it and, you know, create do the labor that matters most to the kind of contribution you want to make to your own. And, it, and it's really your own legacy. It's your own ability and your own depth as a human being that is going to be felt and measured and experienced in the end. It's funny. I, and I, I posted a, one of my solo talks, I guess last week, titled The Power of Intentions. Mm. And, you, you know, you began the answer to the question that I asked with this 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 what is your what is your intention as a human like what, what, what you know what, how, how do you seek to impact the world and i think for the for the listeners out there i i might just start there you know you know when you when you get to the end and you look back what what kind of legacy what kind of story do you want to be able to tell about how you did or you 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 contributed mhm and I think the other thing you said, which I just love is, and I said it too in this talk yesterday, is my words were there's only one sustainability. 
Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, we talk about environmental sustainability, economic sustainability. It's all one thing. Like humanity is one thing, and all the systems we've built are part of our mass, our ecosystem. And that ecosystem includes the natural ecosystem. None of this stuff is discrete. And so we can live our lives as if they're discrete, but they are not. Yeah. You know? Anyway, I, 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 that was a wonderful, wonderful answer. And um, <laughs> thank you so much for being you. And I said oh, earlier, I, I'm to the audience, I, I'm, Charlotte and I have known each other for a while, but not really known each other. We've, we've spent more time together, I think, over the last couple of months for a variety of reasons. And I'm just blessed to have you as part of my life. I really am. Aww. And thank you for being you again. Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel the same. And I love the idea that this podcast is so exciting and I'm going to, I can't wait to share it with others. Yeah. I want you to do that for sure. I will do that. Yes. Uh, that's all. Uh, that's one action we can all take. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Charlotte. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. If you're in search of more opportunities to realize positive change in your life or work, and you find what I have to say helpful, you can always subscribe to my show, check out one of my new salons that are weekly virtual gatherings of like-minded folks. You can read some of my writings or just listen to one of the talks that I've given around the world over the last couple of years. And you can do it all at chriscolbert.com. While you're there, make sure to sign up for my ongoing email updates. When you do, you'll receive a free copy of the first chapter of my about-to-be-published book, Technology is Dead. Again, it's all available at chriscolbert.com. Thanks again for listening today, and I look forward to connecting more in the days ahead.